Yeah. Who? Uh, and we have a great guest today, right? Yeah. I, mean, I just straight up, bla- my just brain yeah. just like, like stopped working. What are we doing again? What are we talking about? Are we just, are we just chatting? <laughs> are we chatting? Are we doing an intro? Or are yeah, we like introducing perfect, our guest? It was perfect segue. Yeah. We have a really great guest today. Uh, or a really great guest. Yeah. A really great. Okay. A really great guest. Guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome back to The John Chi Show. This is one of your hosts, Nathan Nowak, along with Patrick and KJ, and Patrick and KJ. KJ and Patrick, say hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> You're just both staring Hello. at me in this, like, is it, are, we doing it? are we going? Looking. I'm looking up at Liverpool, who are pl- currently playing Classic. Porto. Wow. So Classic. Way, to be, way to be involved, right. oh, I'm, KJ. I'm fully engaged in this audio medium, but my visual medium <laughs> okay. is fully engaged with a video game. Well, I'll edit that I was in a video game. It's so, not even a video game. Unlike KJ and, and his multitasking skills, the rest of us are doing an intro to this podcast called The John Chi Show. Uh, Patrick, what does John Chi mean? Uh, John Chi means to celebrate and to feast and to come together and do all of those things uh, with your friends and your family. Um, for us, it means to celebrate uh, our, our shared identities and heritages is and also heritages <laughs> and also our unique uh, lived experiences, um, usually with guests and always with some sort of food or drink item. So. That's what that I can, you, can't, you can't say always. Almost always. Almost every time. Yeah, didn't have technically. I mean, I guess the reflection technically had coconut water, but uh, it's not like we like did the thing. That's true. We and tried also the, to have the uh, stop Asian hate one. Didn't have any food on that one. Uh, yeah, that's true because that just felt too, too whimsical. I was mm-hmm. too mad. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, we do, and we did have a little live John Chi event where we all met. And uh, that was pretty cool too. So we'll never stop talking ago, about it. Right? Yeah, it's been. I, was, I mean, it's exactly, kind of a big deal for us. Almost it exactly was, a month. That's why yeah. I said we'll never stop talking about it. I, we shouldn't. We sh- <laughs> Until I mean, this one. is year two technically, <laughs> but we should be. I mean, we should be talking about our year two John Chi live, right? Nah, we I mean, only have eleven months <laughs> to plan. Too far away. <laughs> <sighs> I got so much okay. going on right now. I can't even think about that. <laughs> we say that, but then we also said like we we're going to launch some things earlier that we didn't launch because Patrick like went off and got married, and then Nathan had to go. Yeah, work yeah. And I got a new job, and mm, it's all like life. just a lot of life happened. Adulting all at the same time, <laughs> right after our live show. This is the first Jachi, episode after our Jachi Palooza. That is oh, true. Yeah. That is. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations again. Thanks for, uh, <laughs> thanks for sending those photos without me. <laughs> Wait, what photos? Oh, I yeah. loved that you Photoshopped yourself in. That was, <laughs> that was so good. funny. That was good. Uh, it made me feel a little bit more involved. So what did you, you for, that for laughing at suit, that. So you were like in it. That's true. That's great. That's probably <laughs> what I would have worn if I had actually been able to come. So that's all I'm saying. I like but, that. Uh, I appreciate yes. that. It looked like an awesome wedding, though. So, uh, yes, it was a good Patrick, time. again, congrats. It was a good time. So how yes. does it feel? I mean, it, now it's been uh, a couple weeks here. It's been. One week since you... How does it feel? It feels, it feels great. It feels... That was the best day of my life, 100% hands down. It was it was fantastic day. It was kind of hot. Sorry for the people sitting in the sun. Oh, my gosh. It was uh, super hot. For dinner. <laughs> that was... Uh, that sucked for them. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, were you not in the sun? No, we were in the shade. Oh yeah, there was just like a small. All the family, most of the family, got into the shade, but then there was mm, a yeah. small, like six a table section yep. where people were just directly in the 90 degree heat. And then one yeah. week later, it's like 62, <laughs> really oh nice God. out. That's the worst. Just, it's okay. Vitamin D is good for you. Yeah, we were. Uh, <laughs> the we were. We didn't have a hashtag for a wedding, but we were doing chill hashtag chill fall day. We we're saying that oh, out loud. Oh wait, but what Trying was to hashtag it, nuts it did to butts? Work. Oh, <laughs> that I was a photograph. That was a that was a photograph thing. Um, yeah, it's a photography pose. Yeah, because to just to yeah. get in, just to get in tighter, and that was just me co-opting <laughs> that because okay. it was I was hilarious. And but no, nuts it feels great. Butts. It feels honestly. 
the only thing that's really like changed at the moment or feels different is just like the weight of the engagement is gone because we were engaged for a long time for uh, two years yeah that's true and so during the two years it's like we're pretty much married anyways because we're going through that life we're building routines and now that we are actually married we're also both in the process of starting new routines and doing new things so uh it's like a changing of the seasons and unfortunately the season changed one week after our marriage would have been great if it changed on the day of but we couldn't <laughs> okay. get everything so other than that it was great and one less thing to have to plan and worry about the stresses of I'm sure all of that is now off your and shoulders. <laughs> yes. So very true. Yeah. Very, I, very I, true. And and uh are you guys planning on a honeymoon someday soon or uh yeah, next summer. Hopefully next trying summer. to go somewhere. I won't say where yeah. yet. Oh no, I've already said hey, to a few people, but I, I think won't say that's anymore. smart to wait until next summer too, because of you know. Yeah. Well she's reasons. a teacher as well, yeah. so she's in the mid like just starting school like only like a month or so and two months i guess now so not enough cool it didn't really make sense for her to take a bunch of time off right in the middle of this in the semester so yeah yeah she loves yeah, it I, I think so. i took a at least a month before we took our honeymoon actually after our wedding so yep but, nope right right back to work yeah back to work and <sighs> back to the show you know that's what that's what it's all about um we have a really great guest today james straker joins us um at the underscore x underscore adoptee on instagram uh james comes on and gets really vulnerable with us shares a lot about growing up in a household with a lot of other adoptees um and then when i say he gets really vulnerable this is a content trigger warning for everyone out there uh he does share we he shares with us his thoughts on suicidal ideation and his own personal experiences with that situation. So uh, for anybody who maybe be listening with their kids and aren't ready for something like this at the moment, uh, you please feel free to skip over that part or to skip this episode for now and come back to it. Uh, we have it marked in the show notes. Um, so you can find it there as well, just in case, but just wanted to lay it out there. James got really vulnerable with us and we had a really, really great conversation with him. Um, so without further ado, uh, roll, roll the clip. that clip. Hello, and welcome back to the John Chi Show. <laughs> that was, Hi. That was, that was so afternoon special. Hello. Hello, and welcome back to oh, the John Chi Show. I didn't show. see you there. <laughs> we have a very <laughs> special guest here with us today, James Straker. James, welcome Hello, to the everyone. show. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Hello. Hello and welcome to the show. All right. Well, James, really excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. Um, to kick us off, tell us a little bit about your origin story. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and uh, what that was like. Absolutely. Yeah, really happy to be here. Um, hello, Chanchi hosts and Chanchi people. I'm learning all the lingo now. <laughs> um, You're picking it up uh, quick. I like yeah, that. I like it. I'm, I consider myself a fledgling Chanchi people. Uh, I like, I like um, I'm liking it, though. I'm liking I it. I also consider myself fledgling Chanchi people. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Um, so, so I was born in South Korea. Um, uh, 1969 is the year on my date in my... Uh, family register. Um, I, so in May of 1975 is when, or I'm sorry, September of 1975 is when I was adopted to an American family in Ohio, in Columbus. And at that time, my mom and dad, you know, just, they were a young married couple. They had a few kids of, they, well, they had uh, four kids at that time. So they mm-hmm. had, they had um, a girl. So my sister, and then basically what happened, my dad actually told me they, they were just having girls. So they, and, and my, 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 my mom, her brother has all girls. They don't have any boys. So they saw, for some reason, they thought they weren't going to have a boy. So that's really my origin story is it's tied into the fact that my uncle had all girls. So that's really, and, and they, my parents could see the writing on the wall and they wanted a boy. And so, so, um, you know, they went, you know, and, and they had already adopted domestically. Uh, I have a sister that's a little younger than me that was a domestic adoptee in, in Ohio. She's biracial. So, her, you know, her parents were, uh, one was black, one was white. And so then they decided they wanted to, they had been hearing about Korean adoption and international adoption. 
and feeling moved to do that. Um, and, and so, yeah, they, they went ahead and I was the first one adopted from Korea. So I was adopted and joined the family and, um, we ended up uh, adopting more kids from Korea. So I have a brother and a sister also adopted from Holt in Korea. We weren't biologically related, but, um, you know, now, um, so all together, nine kids in my family, I'm the wow. oldest boy, um, good Catholic, um, populating the earth, multiplying, going forth, um, <laughs> Um, so, you know, and we grew up just very, very middle-class. My dad was a, uh, electrical engineer, um, for, you know, um, he graduated from Ohio state and, uh, they grew up in Northwest Ohio. So, um, sort of Cleveland and like these smaller boy. towns in that area, like Lima is the biggest town in that area. Um, so, um, you know, but there were kids, there were like 70s kids, you, you know what I'm saying? Like 60s and 70s. And, and I, I, I'm 52 now. So definitely. So my parents generation, they were definitely, I think in the church too, in, in you know, they were very devout and, and Christian Catholic. And I think in the church too, there was just this whole, you know, Vatican II, you know, now we're going to turn and face the people and, you know, the nuns aren't going to wear habits and we're going to, you know, it was just a very... I think there was something in the time, right? So um, they wanted to adopt internationally. They thought that they could. That's that just, you know, I mean, a lot of reasons for that. So did they um, always just want a big family too? Was that uh, did they ever give reasons why they they continued to adopt? And that's a great question. Yeah, yeah. My, and actually, I, I asked that too. I basically, you know, um, later on, you know, I'm able to ask my parents some harder questions. You know, like <laughs> why? You know. Uh, <laughs> You know, but uh, yeah, um, my mom really wanted a big family. Uh, um, it was just sort of want her childhood wish. And, you know, as as it turns out, you know, me and my dad have talked a lot, you know, like um, I'm not really close to my whole adoptive family right now, but I kind of feel like my dad, me and I are still, he and I are still able to talk and, and um, that's okay for now. I kind of like just accepted that for myself. Just, Oh, okay. You know, I don't want to totally disconnect. Although I do kind of want to totally disconnect. I'm like, okay, Hey, at least something. So we meet up every once in a while and we'll have a beer and then we'll, you know, just sort of talk. And, and I remember asking him about, you know, why, why, you know, why, what, what started all this? And so my mom, my it all it all has to do with my you know my dad's his whole thing in life was just making my mom happy just what I, I swear I swear it's like it sounds so simple but that is literally and I see him now and it's still his driving thing I mean just he um, um he's so devoted to her but you know and so that's what she wanted and so that's what he worked to do you know and um, she really wanted that big family I think it was I mean honestly now as a grown up as someone who's who sees my parents not simply as, you know, the superheroes, <laughs> superheroes <laughs> yeah. or uh, idealized figures. I, I see them as very human figures now and within the context of my own weaknesses and understanding. And, um, you know, and my, and my mom really was looking like, like her family was, that was her redemption or her way of, of manifesting what she wanted in the world, you know, because, well, to be frank, her, her father, well, he wasn't the most nurturing or even kind of nurturing, you know, or even sort of nurturing. He was very um, abusive, like in terms of, well, physically and also emotionally. And so and so really, I think that's the why. And that helped me understand, you know, that helped me to understand things. Yeah. Um, even my dad, it's kind of weird. We talked about it. He's like he even has told us kids, you know we had too many kids. I, we couldn't pay attention to them all, you know? And it's, and it's, it, it, I know Nathan, it's, it's so I true. Three it's, kids, so yeah, I, I was right. three, so I, I have two. imagine nine. I have two, you know, it's, and, and believe me, like all of us kids that have grown up out of this, not, you know, we have like one, two, you know, <laughs> like, like none of us went out and said, I see your nine and I will raise you. Third. You know, none of us were. So, um, you know, so growing up in Ohio, things were happy. I really was happy as a child. You know, when I first came here, it wasn't an act. I was genuinely freaking excited to be American. Like that's all I ever, that's all I, it's funny in my mind, like even as I'm saying it, I, I want to say this sentence, that's all I ever wanted to be was American. But I know that that's not true because 
um, I was adopted when I was like between five and six. So there's a whole lot of living there that I had no conception of America, I'm sure. But um, but that's how deeply when when for me, when I came over here, even my dad commented on it, that he, that I just wanted I had one mission and that was to be American. I just wanted to be American. I wanted to comb my hair like my dad. I'll put the broke. I don't care if I'm seven. I need bro cream. I need that greasy stein. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna give my comb. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Come on. Pretty soon I'll be shaving with that, you know? Um <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to be American, you know? And uh, I remember so and and I and gosh gosh darn it, I, I did my best. You know, and I, I really worked hard to be American, to learn the language, to do this, to do this. And, uh, you know, it's just part of growing up and just just being, and, and I was happy. I was happy. Our childhood was good as a family. Um, but as things entered into our my adolescent years, the family, a lot of those issues that my mom maybe had unresolved. Well, you know, there's no you can postpone these things, but there's no I, I think in life is you're going to face it even you got to face it at some point. And, um, it came, it came up during like when I was about 13 and when all of us kids were sort of, you know, hitting adolescence and it was a chaotic time to begin with, much less, these are a lot of adopted kids going through all this stuff. So it was, it was very, very chaotic. It was, it wasn't stable. It wasn't. And so that sort of set me off on another trajectory, you know, of just, not really knowing who I was. And I spent, I, I, it's, it's really sad. It, I spent like about from 13 to 33, like so 20 years, sort of just aimless, purposeless, um, sort of half, half alive, sort of, you know? And um, so, and that's, but then of course I'm sitting here. So there was a whole healing that happened mm, probably yeah, early thirties. So- so I'm curious, James, um, just kind of listening and, and summing up where we're at in, in your story. Um, okay, so you were uh, adopted between five and six right. uh, to Cleveland and have strong memories. You said, you know, wanted to be an American that amongst probably the 80 other things that you wanted to be as a five-year-old boy, right. American was high on the list. Right. Um, Evil Knievel and- was my second. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um so okay, so so you're adopted and you you live into being American. Um, what is that? What did that look like for you in those early years? And then um, you know you said that the things changed right as you kind of hit a teenager. It's like I know that things changing when you're a teenager sounds cliche, but also like it can be pretty pretty weighty right, and nuanced. Right. So I'm curious. I mean, you talk about the sense of aimlessness. Um, you know, so what? Where were you going and then where did you end up in this sort of wilderness period? So when I say aimless, you know, so I didn't, my parents didn't really talk to me about college and things like that. My friend joined the Navy and he sent the recruiter to my house and I will always just be like, dude, but, but I was gullible, you know, but, uh, you know, but he did, but, you know, uh, so, so I joined the Navy, you know, and, um, you know, I, I, still to this day, like I have to watch out because I'm still the very gullible type, the very, I take people at their word, you know, and like people are like, and so when I'm in like those, those high pressure sales situations, I, I, I fold, I fold, I fold <laughs> <laughs> so badly. You buy the TV. You know, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I need that ground. Of, you know, I, I like, so. So I, so I know my, now I know myself, I don't even put myself in those situations. (laughs) Like, like, but, but back then, so he's, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if I wanted to college. My older sister had gone to college. She had done really great in school and got a scholarship. And I wasn't that good of a student. I was, my thing in in high school was just listen to music. All I did was listen to music, work at Wendy's to make money. And go to concerts. That's all I did. There was, you know, and zero and we, corner cutting for James. <laughs> corner, right, right. It was, yeah. it was just, man. I just like so. Um, I just listened to music. Music was my thing when I was uh, young, and so, um, so in terms of that, like, just that aimless, you know. So I went to the Navy. Um, I got trained. I went to boot camp. I came back. It wasn't a act. It wasn't um, what you call active duty. It was reserves. So I came back, 
it's like the Navy light. I came back, I would do my, um, my, I, I, I was, uh, accepted into a program through the Navy for allied health for laboratory mm-hmm. technology. So it was like a health field. And, um, and honestly, I had never heard of this thing until this recruiter had brought it to my house and told me I should do it. So, um, but, but it was good. I mean, ultimately I went to school, you know, and I didn't end up doing that job, but you know, just going to school, learning is, is, is good. And, um, I ended up getting hooked up in the Chinese restaurant, <laughs> like, like a, a, a company of friends that were Chinese. Um, and then dude, I just did that for years and years. I just helped them in their restaurants. I would work as a waiter. I would work as a manager, this or that. And, and really the only reason was because it was something to do. I made money. It supported me. There were, you know, it was there like a, half of the time, the options that I choose are, well, which ones are there? It's not the ones that take developments or say, you know, especially I was, as I was young, you know, so I guess in terms of a career, I, I had no, I had no aspirations. I didn't really, I, I, I mean, I, I was struggling with just basic living, honestly, um, basic sort of optimistic outlook on life. Like I, so that's what Amos was looked like, just sort of going through the motions, but you yeah. know, and then years and then days and months and, and then years, you know, but yeah. So I really resonate with that because, you know, a lot of your story I, I see in my own story of of taking 20 years to really find myself uh, and being very when, when you say aimless, I I completely resonate with that because that's what I've been for a long time working jobs when they are there, not because right. I'm developing in that, but right. just because I have I have the opportunity to go and do that. Um, and not really just ever knowing kind of what it, it was that I was going to do and finding myself at very low points uh, that really contributed to that aimless lost feeling. Um, and then over the past year now have begun to start that healing. And, and you talked about, you know, having to take that 20 years of wandering to approach this a point where you could start healing. And so I'm on the start of this and you've now been going through this. So I'm wondering how did that start for you? You said it was like 33 or something when, when yeah. you hit 30. Well, how did that start for you? What was, yeah. what was that step? Okay. So just timeline, I think I'm, I have a sister that lives in Northern California in Santa Rosa area. So Sonoma County, like North of uh, Bay area. And so I was out there, I was working and, um, uh, I don't, I just got to a really low place. I mean, super low, like where basically I had decided this is it. I'm going to, you know, so plan out something, you know, um, we definitely probably need some trigger warnings on this conversation. Cause it's like, cause yeah. So I was definitely planning suicide. I was probably, yeah, I was definitely, I was about 33. Um, pretty serious about it this time. I had tried before in the past, you know, but, um, this time felt different. It just felt more, more calm. You know, I think you like, um, we've heard that like when, when people talk about suicidal ideation or this or that, like the ones that are like just super calm or not upset or that, that that's when you got to kind of worry. And, and I, 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 that's where I was. I was very methodical. I had a friend who had a gun, you know, just, um, um, I just, well, I was over his house. I just took it. I put stuff in my backpack, pretty much got rid of my wallet, my ID, every, my, my, all I, all I wanted was a one way bus ticket. Bart ticket down to San Francisco. I didn't want to do anything in the area where I lived because I didn't want to. Yeah, I just wanted to go somewhere where I'd be a nobody, uh, you know. And and you know, um. So I went. I you know, and it really, there's a whole story behind that night. But um, really, I got to my lowest point. I actually was at that moment where I'm. So I basically wandered around San Francisco all day, just sort of, you know, um contemplating the, you know, what I'm about to do night falls. And that's kind of what I'm waiting for is just nighttime for some reason. And then, um, I have this idea that now it's time I'm over in Japantown. I don't know if you guys have ever been to San Francisco, but, um, um, uh, I just found some place where I was overlooking some traffic and stuff. And, and, um, I had the gun, I pulled out of my backpack and I just I had this idea like, okay, what if I pull the trigger and doesn't fire. Like I, I, I can't do it. Like I can't, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. So I, I have to make sure that this thing is going to work. So I just, I literally fire it right in front of me into the, the grass in front of me. And, and 
it was so loud. It was so loud. <laughs> that, that was that. You know, but it really was. It was. It was. Thank, thank whomever, wherever that it was loud enough. Um, but that, and I, I think, I think this go also goes into the type of person I am. I'm very, I'm very much an extrovert. Like I, I take my energy in from the outside. Like I'm very much, I love art, visual arts. I like, I don't know if you got, like I play guitar. I'm, wow. Music I've was never heard extrovert energy and art used in the same <laughs> sentence like that. That is amazing. I'm going to ponder that for days. Yeah. Yeah. That, that KJ, actually that, I learned that too. I used to think that introvert and extrovert just meant like outgoing or, or, you know, reserved. It just means where do you get your energy? And for me, I've always been getting my energy from the outside, you know, um, extroverted. I've always been. And, and, and that's why I get distracted. Like I go to the refrigerator, all the shit I see, I don't even know why I'm there anymore because, <laughs> because I get my energy from the outside. So I, I have to guard from distractions, but, um, so anyway, back to this moment, this huge gunshot, which if, if you've ever heard a gunshot, you know, it, like any sound, it has a beginning where there's like this attack, it, it swells and then it decays. And when it decays and it's gone. And in that moment, I, you know, call it grace, call it <laughs> ancestors or, you know, um, I just realized that that became a perfect metaphor for what my life would be if I actually went through with this is it would be here one moment and nothing to indicate that I was ever here to begin with. And, um, and just, just, that was enough now. So, so that was enough to make me realize that, okay, I can't do this. I can't do this. Oh, another part of it is it was so loud. I was sure, you know, there'd be people running out or car, you know, what's going on or call police, you know, and sure enough, there's a police car comes rolling up. Uh, it takes a turn and goes down the street and, 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 and literally nothing happened. And, 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 and it was the absurdity of that moment, you know, that sort of just slapped my face and said, this is, this is you, this, this would be you here one moment and gone another, nothing accomplished, nothing gained, nothing, nothing gained, you know, um, and, and that's so 20 years ago, closely, that's, that's how it started, Patrick. And then, but of course, you know, it's not like you go from that realization to like, you know, kicking your heels and, you know, skipping down <laughs> the yellow brick road. <laughs> oh, interesting. So, so it was tough. That was some a, red flats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was a tough morning, you know, cause I didn't have any money now. You know, <laughs> right, one way ticket. <laughs> exactly. So, so, um, I kind of like begged a panhandle, begged a quarter. And then I just called and, and it's funny. I, I had met a friend in part of my wanderings around. I had run across this place that was teaching this type of Buddhist meditation. It was called Vipassana, Vipassana. And it was in North Fork, California. And when I was in California, that's, so I went down there and visited one time to learn and they give free lessons, like 10 day silent retreat, 10 oh. days. You don't even talk. You eat all the vegetarian food and you learn this and it's very intense. Like retreat is very misleading because it's very, very strenuous in terms of mentally and, and um, bodily too, because you're sitting for long periods of times and things like that. But um, so, but I had happened to be there one time volunteering. So even after one of the classes, I ended up staying and living there for a while, just volunteering, cooking and, you know, helping maintain the properties and facilitate the classes. So one time, I had met this Benedictine monk who was there learning. And he didn't look like the priest that I knew from growing up. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he, um, he looked like, like some crazy dude from a, like, like an old movie or something. Like he, he just had this giant beard and he was super old, but he had this light in his eyes. Like, like you've never seen before. Like it, it just, um, and so I remember talking to him and we both, we're, you know, because I was raised Catholic and I was, of course, very intrigued by the fact that there's a Catholic priest here. And what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? And then he's all, what are you doing here? And I'm all, you know, you know, but anyway, it, it was fun. But we developed, we ended up, so we ended up hitting it really off and just kind of like interested and, and said, hey, well, let's keep in touch. And he went his way, I went mine. But on that morning, he was the only person that I could think of that would be able to help me. 
to understand. And so I called him, you know, collect. And as soon as, as soon as I kind of told him what was going on, my sad story, he let me know. He, he says, okay, just hold on. I'll be, I'll be right there. And so he drove from Sonoma to San Francisco. I mean, this dude was like old already at that time. So, um, and then he had a hermitage in Sonoma, California. So, and I remember I walked all the way to Grand Central Station um, in San Francisco. I just, I just like fell asleep. And the next thing I know, I felt someone nudging me and I, I, I opened my eyes and it was him. And um, I swear, I like almost one of the, you know, just so happy to see somebody like mm-hmm. it's just in that moment. And so, you know, and, and, and really he didn't judge. He didn't, he wasn't, he just was, what do you need? And I just, okay. You know, um, but then we drove up to his hermitage, uh, which is still there. He's passed on, but he's he's left it in trust to a group of other monks. And um, um, and it's called Sky Farm. And it's just one of the most to me, it's one of the most meaningful places in, in terms of my own journey, because so that's that's how it all happened. And he was a Catholic priest. Um Our relationship wasn't like really priestly or, you know, like my son or this or that. He was just. He was just a, but he was a very father-like figure. If I think of that now, he very, very much was very much like a mentor, a spiritual guy kind of person. Um, and at that time, my, like, I'm not, I don't identify as Christian anymore, but again, if it takes 20 years to get out of like, of a Christianity was so put into me, like from the, the second, I mean, even before I got to my adoptive family, Christianity is the framework in which all of this is happening. By the time the wheels of the plane hit the tarmac, you're like, oh, I'm Christian now. I I was singing the Kyrie eleison in English. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so exactly. So um so it was so and you know, um, so at that time I start started really saying, okay. It was a very humbling moment, Patrick, because it, it, because it was like, okay, everything I thought was true is false. Because I had rejected religion when I was about 13. I was like, no, man, no, this is, you know. And, and I, it was half some sort of intellectual, moral sort of, up, you know, reason, half just laziness. I don't want to go to church. I just want to stay home and watch TV, you know. I mean, but, but I just stopped at, you know, at young. But then realizing that I hadn't just – in terms of abandonment as an adoptee, having to face the fact that like, I kind of thought that God had abandoned me, but really kind of thing I had abandoned any idea of God or any desire for God. And and again, like just as a human, as a person, as a me, James, I, I, that moment was everything you think you know is, is foolishness. And what are you going to do about it right now? Oh man, that was, that was a tough moment. So it happened to be like right before Easter and all that and Holy week. So, and what his, what his, um, habit was to do was to go up to this other monastery and just spend Holy week up there. Um, and so I went with him and I I was starting to see that, you know, and, and from my, from my vantage point, my experience, I was starting to understand that like, Okay, I, I asked for help from God, and okay, I kind of have to acknowledge that I got some help here, you know? <laughs> How I, much closer can you get than a monk? Right, and, and so I was like, I okay, I can't just ignore this. I have to, and so that's that's kind of like what a lot of that was. Um, and also very much seeing it in the context of my adoptee journey of these are the, you know, I, I know very well what brought me to that point and what it is. And so um, I just, so it felt like, it felt like an answer to prayer, and it, it also felt like, a, a, um, a, how do you say that? Like, um, like, 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 I almost felt compelled to follow wherever this was leading me, you know. Um, and at that time, I, I still was—I wanted to believe in Christ. I wanted to be a Christian. I wanted to—I I still had a sense of of that as my path. I don't anymore, which is okay. Um, and I'm still so thankful for that part of my past, my path. And, um, so anyway, I ended up joining that monastery, Patrick, and staying yeah, there that for was like gonna be my next years. question. 
Um, because I'm curious. I mean, there's a part of me, like the very nerdy Christian yeah. part of me, that's like, oh man, monastery living for a while would be cool. And so, oh. and I think that there is, um, you know, there's a, a natural rhythm that comes with the daily offices, and there's a natural rhythm that comes with, uh, just the the rule of life that you kind of accept as you walk into a monastery, like this is how I'm going to be. And these are the things that I, and you know, every monastery has kind of their own uh, trait for how they're going to live. And so it's a collection of people who just say, this is the way, like we all agree, this is the way that we're going to live and the way that we want to do life. Right. So, uh, and I think that it's really interesting and that that leads me to um, the question that I, I really love that we get to ask, um, which is why do you want to come on the show? What are you most passionate about? So, so when we think about, you know, from, from your story, you had this clear goal of hilariously, um, being, being an American and a marine bi- biologist, which I don't know about either of my co-hosts, but like, I also had those dreams as a young boy. <laughs> marine like, biologist? It'd be so good to be a marine biologist. I, I just want to swim with dolphins. I don't know what it is about like, but apparently across multiple generations, marine biology is like, the jam for little kids and then we I mean, you're like nah i can't do that <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, yeah that that is so funny um yeah that's really funny so yeah so, so, you, so you do that and then have this clear sense of like who you are or like who you're working to be and then mm-hmm. along with that realization that all teenagers go through of like oh dip i'm my own person also you have a lot of trauma that you have to work through right that sends you into this this wilderness period uh and get to a pretty dark in ice and isolated place, right? That it's the double whammy of not just dark, but, but isolated. And I think that there is, um, a real sense of, you know, I was curious what aimlessness means because I think there are a lot of people in the world who, uh, can feel like they are aimless and not be aimless presenting. Right. Mm, Um, and that's like that, why you wake up with the, your quarter life or midlife crisis or whatever, whatever, or whatever age your crisis happens, um, as you realize at some point, Oh shoot all this time I feel like I've wasted. So, uh, so you find, you get reunited with this Benedictine monk, you spend time in a monastery and then flash forward to, uh, this thing that I I would love to hear you talk about, which is, um, your journey into and process and building, uh, a stronger, more robust adoptee community. So tell us about, I mean, obviously community plays a big role, uh, really a life-saving role, in your story i'm curious um what's the impetus behind your project what's it called what just tell us all the details so for me that it really came out of what and what i discovered in the monastery was that my deepest want was to be was to be a a, a father a husband to have a family mm-hmm. um you know it what you know and and um and 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 really seeing that if I would have said yes to that monastic vocation, it would have been choosing the second best thing. And to me, that's mm-hmm. a tragedy in life. Life is absolutely like, like it's worth, it's almost in my mind, it's worse than choosing the worst thing because it's like, dude, it was like the second, like all you had to like, so yeah, no Olympian wants a silver medal. They're, so like, they're okay with bronze, but the silver medal, you're like, I was this close. Ah, was this was close. Sorry, yeah, was. you're right. So I felt like it, at that moment in my life, I felt like, okay, um, nothing wrong with being a monk, nothing, you know, super amazing about being a father, this or that. But if this is what I want, I think, I think God is saying, communicating to me that it's okay, that it's okay. And so I left the monastery and, um, and then just continue to work in California. And then, you know, the, the most amazing thing happened is that just through circumstances, I met my wife at, at, at that time. Um, you know, I ended up visiting Korea um, with a friend of my sister's whose mom was Korean and she was going to Korea. And so she took me along and she, you know, she heard that I was adopted and had never been to Korea. And so she was like, Hey, I'm going to Korea. Do you want to, you can come. And I was like, God, that would be amazing. Um, of course, the idea of going to Korea was always something that I wanted, but you know, just, to go over there without knowing the language, without knowing anybody. And here somebody was saying, Hey, you know, so again, it was like another, like, Oh, wow. Look at this. Look at, look at what's in front of me now, you know, kind of thing, you know, and just observing going to Korea was life changing, getting married. Of course, uh, those are all saying, Patrick, I don't even know how you're doing this. (laughs) I don't even know how you're doing this. And then you're going to be married. Like, dude, I would not be doing a podcast if I was about to be married. I'd be like crazy. (laughs) I'd be crazy in my head. 
I mean, so, but I just I never said that I wasn't, but I won't say that I am. Yeah, he's doing well, normal normal presenting. Yeah. Nor- I was just thinking that Kenji, he's doing very good at presenting right now. So yeah, but um, and it really came from recovering that connection, you know, and and also like I have to say, just the love of my wife and family. I mean, without but I'm I'm not even here. I'm not. I'm you know, it's this is all just a, a mood kind of thing. So, but really with that love, with that support, with the community that I've been finding, um, oh, I've totally forgot one of the big, most important things about like what happened, Patrick, is while I was at the monastery was that gathering in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. The big one. one. Yeah. And I got permission to go to that. So I went to that. The in first my like gathering my, of Korean adoptees yeah. for the listeners. Ooh, yeah. I got to go gotcha. to that. I don't That's know my right. history, so yeah, yeah. I was like, I, mean, 90, I know some history. I don't know like our history. Ninety nine <laughs> is what. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that was I had never experienced anything like that. Being, um, I I don't know if I ever connected with anyone, much less an adoptee. Uh, you know in a deeper sort of way with, that was so effortless. It was so, it was just so, so, um, you know, just being around people walking, you know, just, just being there, just, just seeing all these beautiful faces and, um, realizing this is, you know, this is a part of, you know, I'm a part of this and this, you know, and, um, and that's exactly. kind of where it led me. It's just, wow, this community is really amazing. And, you know, at that time it was also known as, I really have to, I really have to say how much, how big of a role they played in me. Cause I was, I mean, I was stuck in a monastery in Northern California. All I had was a little computer with Netscape and I, you know, and I did the thing we do, Korean adoptee <laughs> and it's done, you know, it's done. It's done. Ask it's, Jeeves. It's, Jeeves. Right, yes. <laughs> Jeeves, tell me about Korean adoptees. Right, Jeeves. <laughs> Jeeves, Harry Holt. Yeah, what you got on him? Um, I have two questions. Did yeah. the the gathering in in DC uh, spark more of your interest to go back to Korea, um, or or in connect with other Korean adoptees? James needs uh, to vigorously. Absolutely, absolutely, Nathan. Um, the gathering in it was. It, just uh, first, just having a feeling of connection to other people, like, and other people's experiences, like, um, I like, I didn't have to explain myself so much, like, like, we all know the playing field that we've been, we all know the air that we breathe, the water that we swim. Um, that was so nice in and of itself. And then, and then, yeah, I definitely wanted to go to Korea. I just didn't know, you know, I think a lot of people are like, I, I will someday, but who knows, it's kind of, you know, um, but then it did present itself. I did go, and I ended up moving there from 01 to 04. My son was born there. Um, so follow-up question to that then. Um, when you went to Korea, um, having been there uh, the early ages of, you know, up to five years old, was there any familiarity uh, when you went back from that moment? Did you feel just reconnected did you feel uh you know i mean what what was going Mm. through your mind i guess when you when you got off the plane that's what i had hoped but no Mm -hmm. no i felt like a complete tourist i didn't understand a thing there were no memories no smells there you know the stuff in the movies that you hope it it didn't happen um but it still felt good it still felt good it still felt so that didn't happen. But what did happen, though, is just all the senses take in just the vibration of that place, you know, the ground, the land, the history, everything about it. And that happens. Um, so it's, it's, it's so good. Uh, it's just so good. Um, it, but it also is very it's, – it's, uh, it's challenging, too. It has its challenges. You know, it's uh, – it ha- especially for us as non – you know, Korean, Korean, you know, that, the, the funniest word to, in adopted community, Korean, Koreans. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, but, and I find, I find that like, for me, I really did. Uh, I really would recommend going to Korea for every Korean adoptee and, and actually every international adoptee. I really like try to make it back to your country of origin. It's just, um, you just can't even put into words like it's just um it's beyond words just there's a connection there's a 
there's just a, a, a vibration, I think, that, that's important. That's important. And there's also maybe a sense of, I don't know, when you make it back as a grown-up, maybe you just have this feeling of, I don't know, I, I definitely had a feeling of sort of like empowerment. Like, you know, like I, like, okay, I had no choice when I left, but I, I'm a grown man. I came here. I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it gave me a sense of agency. It gave me a sense of. Yeah. Uh, agency is a great word. Yeah. 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 I, I went back in 2017 for the first time and, and Brag. it was definitely, I've been to other <laughs> countries. Yeah. I've uh, been to Thailand, been to China. Sorry, not flexing. <laughs> um, I've done my, I mean, I've done my fair share. Of say, you've been to tons of places. <laughs> Yeah, I've been to yeah, I'm other talking like Springfield. Asian I'm talking countries. Dallas. I'm talking yeah. Indiana. I'm ta- <laughs> but when I when I did go to Korea, I did feel that it was a different vibe. It, yeah. It's not just oh, on top of my family, mm. biological family being there in the airport welcoming me. Oh it, wow. It was yeah. there was other things about it. Just right. looking I felt like Wait. I was taking in everything outside of that from the, the right. city, the, the Well, I think what it is is it, it yeah. just it's the first time in our life that I mean, did you yeah. feel like you belong there? In a way, it was. Yeah, uh, not, I, I wouldn't say belong, but it was. Or, it was a more of a connection than right. a, than a tourist, I guess. Right, yeah. right. There was, but there was certainly a, a, a maybe a sense of belonging that wasn't experienced here. You know, in mm-hmm. America, just on this land in this in this right. time space. But going to that time space is now. There's a, a different sense. Yeah, it, it, and it's funny how sometimes the most enough. You know, like if I if we don't talk. No one's gonna think anything of us as we're walking down. Right. If we're right. if we're in the department store or waiting in line at the you know uh, for the subway, a big American flag or something like that. <laughs> right, unless you know, right, right, unless you know, yeah, yeah, unless you're you know dressed, dressed clearly and like clearly well, you got your red, you know, make America great hat. Dressed on. American. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he says, walk on with a MAGA hat. With a MAGA. <laughs> Yikes! No, you could you could step onto the Korean soil and be like, "This land is my land. Oh, this man. land is my oh, land. Man. This land is my land." And not have exactly. to worry about like the indigenous peoples because you oh, are God. the indigenous peoples. <laughs> this That's is true. Point. You could actually sing that song, like because because yeah. that song, yeah, it took on a sinister tone when when you yeah. when I learned indigenous history. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh right. no! Right. And we're passing out land that doesn't even belong to us, right? Like, I literally went into the bakery, stole all the cupcakes, and was like, hey, everyone, have a cupcake, you know? I think there is kind of a, a unique, like, cognitive and emotional dissonance going to Korea because, like, your heart and your brain both are like, I'm from here. This is, like, th- these are my roots. But then also, your heart and your brain are like, also, I'm American, right. and I... Like is so, you know, right? Foreign I, to me, yeah. <laughs> at the same time, yeah. Well, it's foreign, but also like yeah. you get back to America, and I think that you're like, I, I am grateful to be back here because this is also my home. But then I, you know what I mean? Like it, oh, it is yeah. such a weird, oh, yeah. third space that we live in, like a so. liminal, liminal. It's a liminal. Mm, it's like, it's yeah. a very liminal aspect of our reality, of our identities, as you know, sort of tethered to these two countries, these two lands. Um. So what pushed you, know, you to move there then in 2001? I had, so I had taken a couple trips prior to that with, um, she's now my aunt. Um, and we just visited for like, uh, several weeks at a time, but then, you know, and then, um, it really was, it really was all about just a deepening relationship with my wife and was soon to be, well, you know, at that time, just, you know, my, my friend, but, um, we, as we got, you know, so we would keep writing and talking to each other. And then when I would come over, of course, we'd plan things together. And, and so finally, we just got to the point where we, you know, we're like, um, we wanted to be together. And yeah, so move there. And then um, that's so that's really what it was. And so it's funny, like we talk about me and my wife talk about it, that it was really just a setup, like her emo basically just like did that matchmaking thing, like for real, like for real. Like, so we even say like, it's not so much God's will. It was our, aunt, it was our emo's will that we're together. <laughs> Maybe it's both and. Yeah, both Maybe and. She is God. Who knows? Hey, hey, you know, hey, I put a lot of, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, if, if God turns out to be a Korean woman, I would not be surprised. At all. <laughs> so James, Tell us uh, just tell us a little bit about uh, Continua Magazine and tell yeah. us how 
how all of this, your your trips to Korea, living in Korea, right. going to the gathering, you know, being in community. Yeah. Tell us how that all led into how that became con- what you are doing with this project and okay. how you're continuing to facilitate and foster community amongst adoptees. Cool. So adoptee community is something that like, um, like also known as I noticed them, they were one of the first ones. And then there's, and then with social media, social media is when things started to really change. Um, I started to meet and interact with adoptees online, you know, via Facebook and Instagram, mostly. Um, I did that for a long period of time. And then I kind of like, well, I'll tell you what happened. 2016 hit and I deleted all my apps and, um, Mark. And then, and then, but basically, <laughs> I slowly came back. You You're know, like, when oh, no, I said, my calculator, <laughs> right? When, it, but then I realized, like, oh, okay, I, I, I need to talk to my friends. I, I, I you know, but I had to take a break. And Pat, Patrick, I, I, what you said about deleting Instagram on the weekend, like, I, I, I think I need to start doing that too. Yeah. So I've noticed, you know, I just want to be involved in community. Um, I started getting asked to write, you know, and contribute pieces to blogs and to, you know, like, like I don't. Um, I don't write nearly as much as I want to, but, um, when I'm able to, cause I, cause I get kind of blocked up, uh, and, and I don't know, I, I I'm still I working on a process to get unblocked, but, but, <laughs> but, uh, what, when it happens, it's cool. Cause I just write, but, um, I try not to force it. Like if, if yeah. I not feeling it, I, I just, I just don't write. I just kind of, and, and that kind of came from, um, but anyway, so what I found was sharing my writing. A, just writing it was hugely beneficial to me. Just getting it out, processing it. I often, like, I'm a much better, a clearer communicator in my writing than I am in my speaking, I feel. My speaking, I, I just get so excited. And then it's just, whereas writing, it's just a little slower, that extra pause. Um, so, so I really want to write more. Um, so that's what the magazine's about, is, is really providing a platform for adoptees to just explore who we are very much like this podcast is sort of like, um, let's reach into this chaos with some kind of framework, a podcast framework and see what we can draw out. And so it's the same thing. And with the magazine that what I like about it is it's just a magazine's original meaning is just a storehouse. It's just a storehouse of experience, uh, <clears throat> you know, so this should be a storehouse of experience, a storehouse of, of our truths, the storehouse of our experiences. And it's really important to me that it is our experiences and that they're not co-opted or being leveraged for any other agendas or anything else. Um, you know, so the magazine is, um, it's very much like I consider it a project that I, you know, have tried to work on, but I want to bring more people in. Um, And so we have enough, we have, we have a lot of contributors right now. I just want to find a way I'm working on a business model where we, we compensate everybody that contributes. Like, I don't care if it's an illustrator or you're, you're uh, helping, you know, with the mailing list or this or that, but we compensate everybody uh, somehow in in a fair way. Cause I just don't, um, so I'm still working on that, you know, but there's a lot of really interesting models out there in terms of magazines and online content and how to deliver, you know, in terms of subscriptions. And so I'm still working on some of that stuff, but really it's about, it's about the fact that we have, we have so much wisdom, you know, we have so much wisdom and it's, you know, and it's not a puffed up thing to say it's, it's just a natural process of taking people, pushing them to the margins and corners of society and when you take intelligent, bright, sensitive people and do that to them, they're going to be observing things and they're going to be learning things and processing things. And, they, and then it's important that the mainstream listens. And it's also important for us as sort of having been pushed to the corner like you're doing now, you know, kind of work to get our centers to center our, our stories more. And so that's really what the magazine's about, too. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, one more time, what's the magazine called and where can people find it? Yeah. OK, well. Can't really find it yet. The first issue will be January of 2022, so next year. Um, the magazine is called Continua, so that's the plural yeah. of continuum. Um, huh. Yeah, multiple had a lot of continuums. Multiple is continua. That's right. All right. 
Um, so and it's you said it's not uh you said it's available in january is it in january print, yeah or is it um it's gonna be both or? it's gonna okay, be gotcha. both at first i thought a digital because it's just easier to manage but i just right. because our lives as adoptees in community are so virtual like very rarely do we get to meet in real life and but what we do it's amazing but so much of what we do is virtual i just really it really hit home how important it is to bring this aspects of this community into the real world, the physical world, tactile um, artifacts of our culture, you know? And Definitely. so that's what, yeah. Well, and I'm Nathan, I'm sure you feel this too. Like as uh, people who work in the digital space, you're like, you know, you can create a graphic or take a picture or whatever. And you're like, Oh wow, that's so cool. But then like when you see it printed on mm. actual, like you can hold in your hand, it just, it hits different. Right. It can be the same thing, but it just hits different. Right. When it's printed. So it that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so where can, what should people how can they follow, learn yeah, more, so, support? Yeah, continue? absolutely. Okay, so um, so we are on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, right now, it's just there's not a lot going on in there. Um, but as we get towards the end of the year, we will probably be doing a little bit of fundraising just to kickstart the uh, you know maybe, uh, GoFundMe to for the first issue. But in the meantime, if you need to follow me, if you would want to, welcome that. Love to have have you. Um, we have on my account the the underscore x underscore adoptee and um a lot of good conversations a lot of times i'll just repost other people's um things but a lot of a lot of great conversations um, over the last couple of years that's awesome all right so the underscore x adoptee right yeah. Yeah. E-X, two, by the way the right. yeah. Yeah, the we will uh, link it in our show we'll, notes. You can right, find right. it, that's and right. you'll have the Continua well, linked and all right. the things. We'll have so, a link. Yes, there. we'll link it. That's awesome, James. I think that's such a, a cool project. Thank you so much for coming on the show, for sure. uh, telling your story, and for really uh, lighting the fire behind and starting this this really cool magazine. Absolutely. Um, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we will be feasting on a snack, right? Right? Yes. Is that what? Yes. Yeah. Right. Be a Feasting snack. on a snack it is. <laughs> so here, here's We're our break, ready. and we'll be right back. <laughs> we are eating already. No. <laughs> we are back with the food portion of the John Chi Show. Uh, today, we just had a <laughs> great interview with uh, James Straker. Uh, we have some cookies though now that we are going to dive into, although um, we are still trying to decide on how to pronounce it. <laughs> so we are we not sure of the name. The appropriate we are not sure of the name. Bronoir. sounds like Bro-noir. something. It sounds sort of like a like a special Facebook community or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's, the, it's the, the dark bro network. Bro. <laughs> no, maybe it's just a. Uh, no, I think it's for the the bros who love a good Pinot Noir. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that's, you're you're. Yeah. See, I was like thinking it's a genre. I was going. Genre. I, I was thinking that's like a like like you could call it the man cave or the bro noir. Like, <laughs> the bro noir. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. I like that. That sounds. That does sound good. That should be that the name of icky. like a a speakeasy or something. It made me <laughs> think of the of a no. cologne Dracar Noir. Well, it is a brownie chocolate chip cookie for those who can't see, which is everybody. Uh, because it's an audio <laughs> podcast. It is an audio podcast. It, blind. it has all kinds of ingredients that I won't go into. Hooray. It's, it is a cookie. Oh, what is the the brownie name? CW. Chocolate Chongu. chip cookie. Yeah. So, and James, uh, what uh, cookie yep. do you have? So I'm rocking the Chabre, which is, I think it's just a wafer cookie. Okay. I wish I, I had your I like cookies. I wish I had the bro bro cookies. These are just cookie. Oh, that looks good. See, that looks these are a little flat to the other yeah. one that I held up. The oh, acapulco okay. or whatever. That's yeah. Not your right. cookie That's looks right. like when I bake cookies and I put too much like butter in it or something, and it right. just a super flat cookie. It just becomes like fluffy. Yeah. yeah, that's what that. I looks mean, like. but the packaging in yours had a had a French flag on it, right? So probably it's that originated in France, and it has. Yeah, they probably just did put too much butter in it, and then my cookie looks like an. It, like it was too frozen and it didn't uh it didn't puff up it's just like a right. little round ball almost Ooh, this smells good though mm. mm-hmm. mm, i like the chocolate inside yep the chocolate is a great addition to this cookie yeah 
That's pretty tasty. There's something else inside there, okay. though. Is there okay. a nut in there? It was like chocolate this is chips. very good. There's like chocolate this chips. Is, it basically tastes like a oh, little sugar cookie. Okay. There's like chocolate coating, and then there's looks like what looks like to be chocolate chips also inside. Oh, well, that's good. You can't see I wish I would have. <laughs> I wish I would have got that one. What's your, like, so how's, what is yours tasting like? Basically, like like Nathan said, like a buttery sugar cookie. I love me a buttery sugar. Very cookie. flat. Yeah. It comes with a, it. It came with five in the. Uh, oh, that's nice. like the Cosmic Cracker. Ooh. Or four, three or four. Of. Just because I know KJ is going to rate it. Uh, how was yours on opening? Mine opened very easily. Super easy. Yeah. <laughs> Super oh, yeah. easy. I gotta. I'm gonna try this on on the second time. I <clears> keep <throat> going American with it, and that's like just not how Koreans open packages apparently. <laughs> So, also, you know, very it's way easier um, if I just tear it on the side instead of trying yeah. to open it like a Doritos bag. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. tear it on the side. And these are pretty. Uh, they're very light and. Yeah, no, that was a tasty, tasty one. I'm, I was waiting for Patrick also to just down it in one bite, but oh, I did well. I yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was showing us the center, so he couldn't. He was. Yeah, just he was trying it. to show yeah. you the the chocolatey center. He was being modest. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm working on Emily it. I was like, can you please stop just stuffing your face on the show? <laughs> Never. That's what I'm, mm. Does our cookie up. have some like marshmallow in it? That's, that's it kind of what I thought, but like I looked at the ingredients. It's just like some thicker chocolate things. And it's got some hazelnut in it, too. So I cannot give this to my kids. Oh, yeah. They do not like. I think they're allergic to hazelnut, but. They had an issue with the uh, uh, Nutella. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. they had uh, an issue with one of our other snacks. Didn't yeah, they? that had peanuts in it. Mm. So they also have uh, an issue with peanuts. No so. nuts for you. No, no nuts for nuts. you. We nut are, allergies. We are, yeah, we are avoiding the nuts. Well, actually, we're, I guess, as they say, giving them a little bit at a time. We're trying to work up their tolerance. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. It's more. And whenever yeah. we do that, it always reminds me of the Princess Bride, where he has the poison and he goes. Over the oh, years, yes. I've taken a little bit of poison so that I have become <laughs> immune to it. That's going to make a That's essentially what we're doing. Probably we're giving him a little bit of nuts here. so that he's not allergic anymore. That makes sense. It's, so for him, it is like poison. So it is yeah, kind of the same much. thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what do you Never think? Trust what do you... a big button to smile. <laughs> Out of five chocolates, what are you giving this, Nathan? Oh, uh, I mean, it was... I have no... I'm going to give it a 4.5. Okay. I think uh, for me, as cookies go, I, I actually like a little crunchier cookie. I think a little crispier. So I think if the that's a pretty a, high rating, though, it's pretty high rating. I think if it was a little it, because the flavor was really good, the chocolate okay. was good in the inside. If it was just a little crispier, I might give it a little bit extra. But uh, gotcha. Yeah, Nathan right? needs that crunky. <laughs> I need the some crunky. crunky. <laughs> um, KJ, uh, what did you give it? A four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. Wow, that's right. really high. I would give it like <laughs> three and three quarters. Hmm. Uh, it's All like, right. it's pretty good. It's not amazing. Um, yeah. I It is like, I need a liquid with it. Like a, a coffee would go great with it. Right. Um, it just is, yeah, okay. I hear you. Just slurp that right <laughs> into the microphone, buddy. <laughs> Dutch Brothers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay uh anyways yeah so i you know i don't i don't like a cookie that makes me feel like i need something else to enjoy it uh, right but as it is i think it's pretty good so three and three quarters for my general i don't love sweets but it's yeah pretty it's, good. it's pretty good for well, your that your is pretty rating. good for you um yeah. i'm gonna give it a 4.75 oh wow. i freaking like Dang. these they are very good <laughs> the only thing that's keeping it from a five is i wish it was a little more substantial i was a little, a little bit bigger. bigger a little yeah. bit bigger but I really like these, and for I was gonna wait till after the episode. But for full disclosure, Nathan sent us multiples of these and multiples of other snacks, and we've been waiting a very long time <laughs> to eat these. And I've been staring at them, and so I ate. I already ate one, so, oh. and it was very good. It was at a time where I really needed a snack, Cheater. and it was great. So I've already pre-rated this 
I've already pre-rated. You you have history with this snack, so I you're bringing know. some. I literally yeah, it's benefiting from your prior longer. history. Yeah, I'm gonna have I'd to. I'm snack. gonna have to like somehow seal these so that <laughs> you Patrick can't get to until the shoe. You gotta. Have, I felt kind of. <laughs> I really right? didn't feel bad when I was eating it. I was like, and one like, time I picked it up and then put it down because I was like, no, he'll be mad. And then uh, like three weeks, <laughs> three weeks went by, and I was like, we're never gonna eat this. So wow. <laughs> I'm just gonna eat one of them. Patrick, you cheated on the food portion of the John. I mean. It's pretty hard to have a box of cookies just in front of you for three weeks, though. That's that's asking a lot. I did a pretest, so but it was four point seven five. Great cookie. Nice, James. What about yours? What about the you know the side? I would say I would give it a good three point seven five. Okay, it's just it's delicious. Just very simple. I like the fact that they give you four. Uh, They're very thin, but it's just very plain. So I'm not going (laughs) to score it like something. Sure. The degree of difficulty was just not worth. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I can't. can't go any higher. It needs a chocolate center yeah. like ours. Yeah. I mean, I we've it. all we've I all watched it. the gymnastics routines. You know, there's execution, but then yeah. there's also the difficulty. Right. right. It, it, exactly. it, it was like and like this. If this was a gymnastics routine, wonderfully conceived routine, just executed wonderfully. Just can't go very high. Just the degree of difficulty. It's just not hard to pull this off. I'm sorry. Look, it, I it's, like it's that like, metaphor. Like a Sunday yeah. without the whipped cream and cherry. Yeah. I don't know. Isn't that just ice cream? No, it's just. No. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, <laughs> oh, with a banana. It's some sauce. It's some oh yeah, the sauce. a banana split. That yeah, sounds pretty good. Oh, that's a banana I don't know. split. How, I don't know what a Sunday is. <laughs> I'm sorry, I brought Sunday up that Sunday is a day of the week that ends in Y. That's the that's the right time to bring that up though on the food portion. What is a Sunday and a banana split? All right. Well, James, it's been a really it's been a real pleasure to have you here today. Um, one more time, tell us where we can follow you at, where we can follow uh, Continua. Absolutely, you can follow me at the underscore x underscore adoptee, and uh, on Instagram is Continua underscore Mag. Perfect. You can follow me at Patrick in the World, um, and that's it, Nathan. Uh, I am N Nowak on Instagram. Uh, and I am at KJ Rilke wherever I want to be found. And if you want to write in and tell the John G boys what a Sunday is, uh, you can send us a message to John G Show at justlikemedia.com or find us on all of our social platforms at John G Show. Uh, or you can leave it as a review. Honestly, if you just give us like five stars and say, this is what a Sunday is, and then explain a Sunday, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. well, honestly, if you leave us a review and it has nothing to do with the show, here for it. All right. <laughs> if you leave yeah, us the, if this, uh, the Sunday recipe on a review, we'll read it on the show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I love those crazy I think you got to make Amazon. it. I think you got to make them and, oh, yeah, and enjoy them. We I love it in the deliveries. Follow yeah. the recipe yeah, online, on the live demo. Yeah, it'd be beautiful. I love it. Well, fantastic. Right. thank well, you thank again, you James, for sharing. <laughs> oh, I really appreciate it. And like, I, yeah, I've been uh, listening to the show, been a fan, and just the name. Like, I just want to tell you guys, you just got you, you picked a great name just because it means celebration and party. We and... did it, everyone. Thank you. That <laughs> yeah. is the end of the John Chi show. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can all go home now. You're the first person to comment on the name and compliment really? on well, the name. So. Well, I, I mean, I um, you know, because I study Korean and right. I I've been studying Korean for a long time now, and so like uh, I I recognize it right away. And I was like, and I remember you guys talking about that. The the you wanted it to be a party where it celebrates our our who we are and the yeah. things we go through and and the the you know. The many, many wonderful people in this community. Absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you all. Thank, thank you, you all. Thank you. And, and thank, thank you, you, listeners. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> thank you, John Chi people. Good night. Good night. Peace to the John Chi people. We'll be back next Wednesday. Goodbye. John Chi, hey, yo.